0: So friends, let's read uh, Joshua chapter 2. We'll read it in its entirety of 24 verses. Uh, I'll put the words up on screen if you'd like to follow along. And it reads, Rahab hides the spies. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came to the house of a prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stacks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gates were shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land shall melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dries up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sion and Og whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God, in heavens above and the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me that by the Lord, that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house, and give me a sure sign, that you will save alive my father and mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death and the men said to her our lives for yours even to death if you do not tell this business of ours then when the Lord gives us the land we will deal kindly and faithfully with you Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so that she lived in the wall. She said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go away. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours, that you have made us swear." Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother and brothers, and all of your father's household. Then if any one goes out of the door of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on any one who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills, and remained there three days, until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched along the way, and found nothing. And the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to the Jordan, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. A huge thank you to Amy for leading us through our children's talk in a passage that is no mean feat to try and take care of and speak to our children from. And a massive thank you to our Kids Talk team who have committed to running alongside our preaching series in Joshua with our children's talk. I hope it shows us that in all of Scripture, eh, with a bit of thought and a bit of effort, we can make everything applicable to the life of our children. So thank you, Amy. And also a huge thank you to John McKinnon, who so wonderfully opened up and set out our series in Joshua last week for us. I've always appreciated John's clear and faithful biblical ministry. So this morning we move into chapter 2. Moses has died. Joshua has assumed command and God has made it clear as we looked at last week that he is with Joshua that Joshua is to be strong and courageous and that God will lead him and his people into the promised land. And chapter 2 kicks off for us the next three chapters of the Israelites entering the land. And this culminates in the passage of the soldiers and the people walking round the walls of Jericho. Uh, A marvellous story that we'll read of in Joshua 6 in a couple of weeks' time. Chapters 2, 3, 4 and 5 are all about God's promises to his people. His promises that they have a land he has promised to them and a land that they will receive. When I was younger, my dream job was to be a football manager. I loved to play football, but I was absolutely stinking. I still am not very good at all. But when I was young, some of my best friends were Manchester United fans. And I remember that at the weekend, we'd stick on the VHSs of Man United's treble winning season and uh, Champions League wins and all the amazing things. The class of 99, if you don't know who that is, go and have a look. Some of the best football you'll ever see played. Remember seeing videos of David Beckham's free kicks and some of the tactical masterclasses that that Man United team uh, played. Football that I don't believe has ever been better, but some might disagree with me. And a lot of that was down to Sir Alex Ferguson, who I'm sure we've all heard of, the probably in fact definitely, the greatest Football Manager to ever live. Football Manager was my favourite game growing up and I always used to love trying to work out how to get the best out of a team and with that I love my chaplaincy work with Hamilton Ackeys although that's very limited at the minute. I'm fascinated as I watch training sessions and drills, the tactics, the formations, the practice that goes into making a football team tick, the amount of work they do to understand their opposition. It isn't quite as simple as just sticking 11 guys on a field and getting them to kick a ball about and hoping that they score, but there is real skill involved. The great Arsenal player Dennis Bergkamp said, every kick of the ball, behind every kick of the ball, sorry, there has to be a thought. Football is a game of strategy, tactics, preparation, understanding your opposition and training and a bit of skill helps too. And like the greatest of all football managers, Joshua was a man who would like to be prepared. He liked to understand his opposition and he was a level-headed man who was full of wisdom. This kind of preparation showed real faithfulness to God. Not a lack of faith, but he liked to understand the situations that he was going to face. God promises success to Joshua. We meet him here in chapter 2, the beginning of the preparations to go into the land that God has promised them, And Joshua sends two men secretly from Shittim where they were as spies to go and view the land especially Jericho the land that shortly would become theirs and we must remember in all of this that Jericho was an ungodly place an idolatrous place, a pagan place a sinful culture so what I want to do is I just want to summarise a little bit what we find in these 24 verses then we'll look at the gospel parallel and the application that we can pull from this that I find really really exciting We find very simply in the first seven verses here, the story of Rahab concealing the two spies. The two spies stayed with a woman who was sinful, who had an occupation that was sinful, that wasn't good, that would have been looked down upon in society. And the first question that comes with this is why on earth are these two men staying with a prostitute? Most likely in her work she owns some kind of tavern, brothel and it was situated within the walls. And I imagine a lot of it is to do with the recommendation that will have come to them in terms of location. And I'd imagine the person that recommended it to them didn't really know of the activity that went on in there. But of course God's sovereign hand was evidently over the whole situation and their encounter with this woman. As Jericho were nervous and anxious of the Israelites, there were guards that would have watched the walls, knowing all the strangers that would have come in to town. And a couple of those guards would have gone and said to the king of Jericho, there are a couple of guys here from Israel. The king of Jericho had found out that the two spies were sent by Joshua and they were staying with Rahab and he was not happy. And in verse 3 he sends out that message to Rahab saying bring out the men to me who have come to you who entered your house for they have come to search out the land. Rahab knew that these two men were sent by Joshua the leader of God's people so she hid the men away. She told the messengers the men have come but they've also already gone and I didn't know where they were from. When it was dark they left. And they went away. But if you're quick, you might be able to go and catch them. And Rahab hid these two men on the roof of her house, surrounded by great big sacks of seeds. And they weren't weren't found. Do you know, in that day, there was such a strong culture of hospitality. If somebody was a guest in your house, you had a strong duty to protect them and to care for them. And even considering that, Rahab went so much further than that respect of cultural traditions in regards to hospitality. She put her own life on the line for these men. The Bible simply reports that Rahab lied. It doesn't praise it, it doesn't excuse it. Perhaps if she had beforehand determined in her heart not to lie in obedience of God, he would have made a way to preserve the life of her without lying. And it's important that we recognise that Rahab's lie isn't justified, but also to recognise that it did take courage. Considering that she too was a sinner in a city that was pagan, that was given over to the worship of false gods and immorality. She would have had no previous contact with the Word of God or the things of God or the people of God. And the story moves in the most remarkable way in verses 8 to 14 to the story of Rahab's salvation. Rahab shows faith in God because she heard all that God had done for the Israelites. After they left Egypt, Rahab asks that because she too is trusting in God, that when the Israelites come, when they take over the city, that they would look after her family. And to that, the spies agreed. There's some quite amazing, there's something quite amazing going on here. She declares, this woman that would have had no contact eh, with any of God's people, but had heard the stories of what God had done. She declares, I know that the Lord has given you the land. A remarkable outburst of faith. An incredible eh, moment that shows the bringing together of Rahab and the spies. And it's almost similar in a way to the way we see God supernaturally bringing people us. Believers and those that are open to the gospel together so that people can come to a saving faith. She recognises and she declares, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Rahab's declaration was proof of her faith. It maybe wasn't a strong faith, it wasn't a perfect faith, but her faith is commendable nonetheless. She believes that the God of Israel was the God of all things. We may be appalled at the fact that Rahab was a prostitute or that she was a liar. But the fact is she wasn't saved by her works. She was saved by her faith in God. She knew who God was. She knew who she was. And she trusted God with everything that she had. Because she had heard the testimony of the things that God had done. She had heard of the supernatural workings of our God. And in verses 15 to 21, we read of the means of her salvation, the scarlet cord that would hang from her window. Her house was built into the city wall. She let down a rope so that the men could escape from the city and tells them where they should go. She says, When the Israelites come, please remember me. And they told her to leave this cord hanging from her window so that they would remember to look out for her. It was a signal, it was a sign to the army of Israel that the people in this house were to be spared. Despite Rahab's faith, despite her desire, despite the promises of these spies. She would have perished if there wasn't this sign of this corn from her window. Without the, without the corn, she wouldn't have been seen and known to be saved. Rahab immediately put her faith in the safety, the identification that came with this corn. She also trusted, most importantly, those who gave her the promise about the corn. And utterly remarkable, Joshua would be a saviour for Rahab. But he would be a judge for the rest of Jericho. And it shows this picture to us of his justice and his mercy that we'll pull out in a little second in our Gospel parallel. Do you know, Rahab's destiny was to marry one of the princes of Judah. She would be found in the lineage, in the lineage, genealogy of a king. And most remarkable, Jesus himself. And in verses 22 to 24, we read of the mission that is accomplished. Considering how God will have eh, taught them how to conquer the city of Jericho, How did the information favour the spies and help them in their battle for Jericho? Well, Jericho was one of the strongest and most heavily fortified cities in Canaan. If Israel were to conquer it, the whole land would be before them. But how did this reconnaissance, this information-finding mission, help them in battle? Well, it didn't really help them at all, did it? Because God told them to do something utterly bonkers in walking round the walls. But we won't go into that too much as we'll find out more in a couple of weeks. But there was also another plan. We look at this and think, why did they bother sending these spies when God wasn't going to use any of that to conquer Jericho? Well, there was another purpose in sending those spies. And that purpose was to save Rahab. And we see this most remarkable moment that God has commanded and these men have gone to bring one woman and her father's house to salvation. Someone seemingly impossible to save. Someone can seem impossible to save. But God's hand is never too far away, never too distant to save anyone and he can work in amazing ways to bring salvation to those that he chooses so I want us to take all of this, the summary of this passage and try to apply it to us and also think of a little bit of the gospel parallel that we so wonderfully see in this story the first comment God used the sinful and looked down upon woman to do an important task We might not be prostitutes, but we are sinners. We do not have to be defined by our sin, because we too can be transformed and renewed by the grace of God. Her sin didn't define Rahab, but her faith did. We start our story here with a disgraced sinner. A sinner whose acts and sins are obvious in the nature of her work. This woman in a state of separation from God. A life that is consumed by sin. But then we find verse 10. She hears about this God. She hears about what this God has done. She hears about the God that split the Red Sea. She heard what God had done to the Amorite kings, Sion and Og, because they refused to give God's people safe passage. In Numbers 21. And she says. As soon as we heard it. Our hearts melted. This woman. This prostitute. This woman with a heart of stone. This sinner separated from God. Heard of the faithfulness of the God of Israel. And our heart melted. And in response she declares. For the Lord your God is in the heavens above. And on the earth beneath a sinner, heard about the faithfulness of God and she was saved. Soon the Israelites would descend upon Jericho. But this woman and her family would be saved because she knew and trusted that the Lord God who is in heaven above and on earth below was with her and would save her. Do you know friends, we may not have sins that are as visible or as obvious as a prostitute. But my goodness, do we not fall as far short of the glory of God as she did. And indeed today, it is the faithfulness of God and the testimony of who God is and all that he has done through his son, the Lord Jesus, that saves us too. Okay, we are no longer in the old covenant, but now by the blood of Jesus, the blood that was shed in the new covenant through his grace, we too can know and trust. God and if we repent from our sinfulness and we put our trust in him we will be saved do you know the most marvellous and the most remarkable part of Rahab's story I believe comes over a thousand years later we flick to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5 and we open up at the genealogy of Jesus, the bit that nobody really likes to read because it's very long with some names that are hard to pronounce Sometimes we just like to skip that bit and we start in Matthew chapter 2. But Matthew 1 verse 5 reads, And Solomon, sorry, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Rahab, part of the heritage and the lineage of Jesus. How amazing is it that all throughout history God has used sinners to his glory do you know there are some throughout church history who have tried to make it look like Rahab wasn't a prostitute because there was this idea that how can we have a prostitute in the line of Jesus there needs to be some kind of moral superiority or uprightness about the people of Jesus' line they have to be good people but that isn't so because even our God born into this world to save all those who would believe, came with humility. The Christmas story, his birth, shows utter humility. The life of Jesus is lived as one with utter humility. The death of Jesus is one of complete humility. And the heritage of the earthly Jesus is one of humility. It is one of broken people. It is one of sinful people. Jesus had a background, a lineage that was pretty ordinary in places. Okay, yes, there was also people like King David and amazing people that maybe marks it a little bit different from ours. But less the same, they were still broken and sinful people. And that gives us something else in common with our Saviour. That our backgrounds maybe aren't too different. Jesus called himself the friend of, of sinners, And he says, I didn't come to save the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. He says in Luke 19, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Many would look at Rahab and say, what good could come from this woman? How could a sinner, especially a sinner like this, that's not me, I'm not a sinner like her. I've got sin, but it's hidden somewhere and most people can't see it. Therefore, I'm not a sinner like her. But today, friends, how guilty can we be of the same thing? Looking down on someone from a place of moral superiority. But the reality is we have no moral superiority over anybody. We are no better than anyone else. We are no more deserving of the grace of God than anyone else because the gospel is the gospel for broken people. He didn't come to save the righteous because there is no righteous but he came to save those that know that their sin hurts God. Our salvation is a free gift from God not because of anything that we have done or we need to do but because our God is a good and our gracious God Friends, our moral superiority can be a dangerous place to be. But it is easy for us to look down on others and think we're better than them. Jesus would have a few words to say to us if that is our attitude. And I guess to to illustrate that point is interestingly the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus in Jericho, of course the same place that Rahab was, the spies were. The chief tax collector, a rich man, a hated man, a deceitful man, a man of moral impurity. And as Jesus passed, he saw this short little man sitting in a tree and he called him down. We are told that the crowds grumbled. Even the followers of Jesus, who would have been included in that group of people, they groaned. They groaned because they thought, why is Jesus not spending time with good people like us? Why is he spending time with sinners like Zacchaeus? The crowd said, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. As if they were in some kind of place to say, I am not a sinner, I am better than Zacchaeus. I am better than Reha. What arrogance came from the crowd. What sense of a moral superiority they felt. That encounter with Jesus transformed Zacchaeus' life. Everyone he defrauded, he paid back fourfold. There was genuine faith from Zacchaeus, and the fruit of his salvation was instant and there for all to see. And there it is, Jesus declares the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And interestingly, in Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus, we see a man who is instantly transformed and we see the fruit of that in his giving back everything and more so that he has taken. And we have Rahab who hears the testimony of God and the fruit of her faith is evident in the fact that she puts her life on the line to lie for God's people. The fruit of her faith was instantly recognisable do you know if you skip forward a couple of chapters we come to the time when uh, Israel entered Jericho Joshua 6 verse 25 and it reads but Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her Joshua saved alive and she lived in Israel to this day Because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy Jericho. The men came through on their promises. Rahab was faithful to God. She believed the testimony of God. And through that her and her household were saved. Rahab trusted God. Joshua was faithful to his promise and she was saved. Zacchaeus trusted in Jesus. Jesus was faithful to him and Jesus saved him. And friends, today we too can trust in God, knowing that he will be faithful to us and that he will save us too. This is a remarkable story of a woman that we maybe don't quite expect to find in this situation. But it is a remarkable story of mercy, a remarkable story of faith. Friends, would we never think that anybody is too far gone for the gospel of the Lord Jesus? And would we never think that, who am I? who, How can God use me? I have nothing to offer. I'm just me. Well, friends, as we pray, let's pray. God, use me as you would see fit. There was nothing about Rahab that marked her as somebody who could be especially used by God. You imagine her as a woman that is tucked away. A woman who is marginalised and away from things. But God used her in an incredible way and God saved her. So I wonder, as God uses the most unlikely of people, how is God or how can God use you? Would we be open? Would we be actively praying, God, use me as your servant? Where are those conversations that we can have to share the testimony of the good news of God? The reality that he came in his son to die on a cross and victoriously rise again so that we might know him. God uses unlikely people. No one is too far gone for the gospel and each of us friends have something to contribute to the kingdom of God. Let's just bow our heads for a moment and pray, shall we? God, we thank you for the remarkable story of Rahab. For the sinful woman who held of the faithfulness of God to his people. And her heart was transformed as she heard that news. Transformed so that she hid men. That she risked her own life. And for the wonderful reality that she was saved. She was saved by her faithfulness. We thank you for the remarkable fact that she is part of the heritage of our Lord Jesus. His earthly life, his earthly family God would we never believe that anybody is too far gone for the gospel would we believe Lord and would you show us how we can be of use to you where you can use us, where the opportunities are for us even in the middle of a pandemic to be used for your glory we thank you God that you, just, you don't use certain people but that you are the God that can use all people in incredible ways Pray all of these things in your name. Amen.